welcome to the Asylum. And now, your hosts, Rick Flieger and Rick Briggs. Woo, back in the saddle after an extended holiday break. It's the Asylum Fantasy Sports Show here on the Full-Time Fantasy Network. Check out this and countless other great fantasy and NFL content over at FullTimeFantasy.com at Full-Time Fantasy on the tweeters, and of course you can follow us, AsylumFantasySports.com, at AsylumFootball on Twitter, and if you want to be part of the show, AsylumFootball at gmail.com. Rick, many a week has passed, but I still bask in the glory of yet another, not one Rick, not two Rick, but three times the Caveman Fantasy Football League champion, did it with popsicle, popsicle sticks and duct tape this time, brother, but I got her done. So I'm going to sit back and let you congratulate me. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you again. All right, you're too much. Your turn, Rick. Come on. They already said it. So, I mean, <laughs> there's just really nothing that I can uh, say to um, actually enhance what you just had, other than maybe. We're waiting. I don't know. It won't work. Oh, here we go. Fat finger in the butt. <laughs> Starting off 2020 the way we left off Dead. 2019. <laughs> Dead as always. All right. So, now, you got to do your homework. You've got to put together a strong draft, make the right moves throughout the year. But here I am. I'm going to stand up and say, if you go out and argue that the fantasy playoffs are anything but the intersection of preparation and flat-out dumb luck, let me tell you the roster that ran through the playoffs for my team, Felt Street, in the Caveman Fantasy Football League as I got ravaged by injuries the last two or three weeks of the season, as so many other people did. So this lineup, folks, went out and won a fantasy title. Drew Brees, good. Christian McCaffrey, good. Something called a Patrick Laird. Danny Amendola. Golden Tate, Brashard Perryman, Zach Ertz, Tyrell Williams, and Ronald Jones are what took down a fantasy championship. <clears throat> Here's the point. You still got to work that waiver wire. You still got to do it. If you're running around on the tweeters thumping your chest that you know everything. And did you notice, Ray? I did want to bring this up. I've been sitting on this for about three weeks. Did you notice that apparently the Twitter rate of championships is 103%? Yeah, yeah, no doubt. Everybody. Everybody. everybody and won. they win multiple oh, titles seven every out of year. Eight. I was in eight leagues. I won seven of them. The other one, the commissioner cheated and put somebody else in after the fact. Here I like, had four injuries and took down third or whatever, you know. And that reminds me of, I saw some anniversary several years back of the Immaculate Reception. I don't know what one it was. And I think it was the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette or CBS Radio. Somebody went out and did a survey of X amount of people who were at the Immaculate Reception. And they figured out the responses they got. There was approximately 102,000 people in Three (laughs) Rivers Stadium that day. And I believe it held 58,000. So I think this is a little bit of that. but. Well, I feel fortunate. Boy, luck boxed my way into one. And, and oh, Rick, I'll tell you, your yeah. Ro- oh, sorry, never mind. Well, here is I got one more time. <laughs> here is a lineup that did not make, <laughs> did the, not playoffs. make the playoffs. Right, <laughs> Russell Wilson at quarterback. He's pretty good. I've heard. Um, Saquon Barkley at running back. I've heard of that guy. Marlon Mack at running back. He's pretty good at football. Devontae Adams, wide receiver. Tyreek Hill, wide receiver. 
Michael Thomas, wide receiver. <laughs> Greg Olson for a tight end. Joe Mixon as a flex. No playoffs. <laughs> Zippy playoffs for Rick. Boy, Gray. I tell you what, though. The, the the bodies were flying in the consolation bracket, oh, yeah. though. Yeah, you, you would have walked through the, the playoffs. <laughs> I told you, I warned you not to look. So, hey, we're going to keep this quick. The fantasy season's over. I don't like to start looking too far ahead to, 20, to the 2020 season until the 2019 season is actually over. So I think, what, Rick, we're just going to talk talk some games, talk the news going on. This is just going to be free form, have a little fun, and keep it short. So coming out of that divisional round, Rick, last week, some uh, some interesting games. I don't think there was any good games, really. Some, some interesting, some fun to watch, some things I've yeah, never Packers, seen. Yeah, Packers-Seahawks was okay. The other three were, I mean, the biggest implosion I've seen since Frank Reich brought the Bills back. Um quite frankly, in the 49ers just – the Vikings had no answers to anything San no. Francisco did. And <clears throat> I fault the offense a lot for Minnesota offensive coordinators because it was like, we are going to run Delvin Cook. Right. And and I get that you want to try to establish to run, but he had like 25 carries for – or, or not 25 carries, but he had like 25 touches right. for like about 30-some total yards. And, you know, they couldn't get the run game going. They couldn't get any sort of um, – Kirk Cousins was really pedestrian. Wasn't bad, but just nothing great. And they just didn't look like they had anything clicking at all offensively. And they couldn't adjust to anything. No, and I think so much of that, when everybody's healthy, and I don't think until now, and maybe even still, they get enough credit for it. That defensive front of the San Francisco 49ers, I, I sit here now hoping – to see Kansas City and their offense go up against that defense of the San Francisco right. 49ers. See, see, Kirk Cousins, I think he took a step forward this year. You know, he won a playoff game. He won, I think he finally won a primetime game several weeks back. You know, I think he is the guy for that team. But his one major flaw to me, and it's, you know, people who pay attention to these things more closely could probably point out 37 other flaws. But the one that's glaring to me is he's a little slow in his reads. He tends to stand up in that pocket. We know he's certainly in no way mobile. He can create nothing outside right. of the but He can't even roll the pocket. <clears throat> and so when you get a front and things like Bosa and Ford were doing, there, there was nothing he could do. So I could get force-feeding Dalvin Cook because Kirk Cousins has no opportunity to get the ball to his other playmakers, right. you know, whether or not it's his fault, which I think a lot of it is, or the scheme. There's just no opportunity there. And as such, you've got to get the ball quickly into Dalvin Cook's hands, and I think that's what San Francisco wanted them to do, right? So it, Yeah. I mean, that, yeah, I, mean, I over-exaggerate a little bit, but looking at Dalvin Cook's stats, he had – Exactly, what are the six and nine? 15 touches for a total of 24 yards. Right. Talk yeah. about taking right. the playmaker out yeah. of the game. Yeah, and, that, and that's what they have to do. And then, you know, Tennessee, Baltimore. Oh. Derek Henry, man. Wow. <laughs> just what he's done the last seven or eight weeks. This isn't just the two games in the playoffs. Oh, no. Look back at what he's done back since Thanksgiving and even beyond that. 
you know, and he gets on these stretches. Uh, wasn't there a stretch like this last year where he's clicking off 180? Well, just towards the end of the year, right. yeah, because um, I was on him full bore last year right. in the preseason. Why well, is about three quarters of a year too early yeah. for him? And it seems to be it started earlier this year. But man, I I can't remember in recent history, you know, somebody going out there and he looks like. Earl Campbell at the line of scrimmage, and he looks like Barry Sanders once he breaks the line of scrimmage. And it, it is so cool to watch as a guy who, you know how I feel about the analytics in the air show and all of this, is kind of, I guess I'm an old school guy in that regard. Watching a team win a divisional playoff game on the road where their quarterback completes seven passes for less than 100 yards and not only win but essentially dominate this game that 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 was wild and cool to watch oh it really was and it made it as a boring game but just watching the dominance over Arguably the best team in football at the time. Well, obviously, I don't even you know. think it's arguable. Going well, I mean, you can throw game. San Francisco into into maybe argument and so forth, but um, yeah, it, it was just total domination, and it, it was fun to watch. Am I a caveman who doesn't find it boring when a running back gets on a roll like Derrick Henry, just to know he's going to hit that line of scrimmage, and at any given time he's gone for sixty? I I I love it. I love watching that. Oh, I do too. You know. It, you look at the other side, so hey, let's, you ahead. know, let's, let's be, you know, honest about it. I mean, Derrick Henry led the league in rushing and, you know, so it's not like it, it should be a surprise as far as that goes, but it was just, I don't know, like you said, I mean, some of the, some of the games were just very pedestrian and then all of a sudden, wow. Yeah. You know, I mean, it was just like total dominant. Well, okay, here we go. I'll pull him up here. Um, he had one 100-yard game from week one to week nine. Yeah. He had one 100-yard. No, he had some a, a 90, 84, 82, you know, I mean, right. reasonable yardage that you would expect. But that after the bye week in week 11 – he had one, or no, excuse me, starting in week 10, 188. Then after the bye, 159, 149, <laughs> 103. Um, he had 86 against Houston, and it uh, just faded away. I'm not sure what he had against New Orleans in that 38-28 game, but I know it was uh, it was upwards it was of one seventy yeah, one eighty. Exactly. There was a two hundred yard game in there somewhere. It was it's just amazing. And he gets this is two years in a row. He gets on these runs late in the year. So I think that does bear asking without looking too forward to twenty twenty. Also, with the full acknowledgement that he's an unrestricted free agent going into this off season, and we don't know where he's going to be. What do you do on draft day, Rick, August 2020? Where's Derrick Henry slotting in for you in terms of running backs? I don't care about the round. Well, yeah, I know. Um, Okay, he's still behind McCaffrey. Certainly. Still behind Barkley. Yeah. Still behind Elliott. Kamara. yeah, he's behind Kamara, and I and I dare say I put him behind Chubb still. Maybe I'll, I'll be curious to see what that offense looks like with the with the new head coach there. Um, Delvin Cook is if if he's 
everything stays basically the same in right. Minnesota and he's healthy. Um, that's right about where I'm going to put him, probably yeah. six, seven, and something like that. I think that's you know, pretty much where he was going into this year, say for a couple of guys. David Johnson, maybe James Conner. Mixon was probably yeah. over him. Yeah, Mixon. Maybe Mixon even Fournette in, in, in a lot of now, places. Now, an argument could be made for Fournette in that list, and we'll spend a lot more time of that as the summer goes on, is he became, I think the one thing, I got two problems with Derrick Henry. This is assuming he's back in Tennessee, he's got the new contract, everything's healthy. I don't happy. I don't know that. He might end, who knows where he ends up, and that, that'll make all the difference. It takes him a while to get going. You almost have to wonder, if you look at it the way that's happened the last two seasons, you almost have to wonder if that's by design, right? We're, we're going right. to protect him. We're going to ease him into it. And when it's crunch time, we're going to take the reins off and, hey, y'all, watch this. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And Because that's what's happened. I don't know that. Yeah, I, you just wonder that. But so you're giving up the, that first part of the season, number one. Number two, he's still not a PPR factor whatsoever. Whereas Leonard Fournette, out of nowhere, if, if we'll put together in, in upcoming shows, like I, I want to do a show, Rick, our biggest surprise is a 2019. Right. That's going to be towards the top of them, what Leonard Fournette did in the passing game. And from a PPR standpoint, that's something that's not part of Derrick Henry's game. I don't expect it to be that. <laughs> going forward so I think it does slide him down a little bit but I'll tell you what if I know starting week 10 every year that my running back two is going to start averaging a buck 80 and two touches a game yeah I'll go ahead and reach a round or two early for that if I have to yeah just uh you know going on the Leonard Frenette thing he was um fifth in run in running back receptions right in the league and he was behind Tariq Cohen who by the way, only had 200 yards rushing right, during exactly. the season, where Fournette was a, over 1,100 yards rushing. So, I mean, you're, you you throw Co- Cohen out of there. I mean, uh, yeah, he's, the he's right there with Kamara, Austin Eckler, and Christian McCaffrey. Yeah, and that's you didn't see that coming, right? Right. But we knew Eckler would be involved in the passing game. Obviously, Kamara. Obviously, McCaffrey. Leonard Fournette would not have been on that list in the preseason. So, right. And, and that's something Derrick Henry's lacking. So, looking at the other side of that game, Baltimore. You know, a lot of what? What's the narrative? Did, did Baltimore choke? Did Lamar Jackson choke? Did Lamar Jackson stink? Is Lamar Jackson still the greatest ever? I've never seen an overreaction to one playoff oh, exactly. loss at this level in a long time. And it's not like we've never seen the number one seed going into the playoff and get knocked off. Right. It, it happens every year, basically. I mean, like it. I, yeah, I mean, let, let's. I mean, that's an over exaggeration, I'm sure. But if you go back and look. In each conference, how many times we've had one and one in the Super Bowl? So somewhere along the line, they're getting knocked off, right? Yeah. So there's coachings involved, right? There's um, momentum's involved. Look, you got a second year quarterback. Um, you had a, a Hulk running the football. Yeah, yeah. They could. They didn't have an answer for him. Like we were talking about. Uh, Minnesota had no answers to um, the run game, really, of San Francisco. Right. Of course, it was multiple running backs instead of just Bruce Banner that turned <laughs> green and ran over everybody. Um, they just didn't have any answer for it. Lamar Jackson accounted, we were talking this before we went on the air, accounted for over 500 yards of offense. Right. I mean, when you're the only tool 
in the toolbox is doing anything, it's, it's tough really to get clicking. And yes, if you want to logically look at it, you can say Lamar Jackson lost that game. Early on, yeah. But the defense didn't help him out. No, that's and, exactly it. And Lamar, Lamar, Lamar Jackson, Jackson is the type of guy, I think, that's going to take a game like this. And I tell you what, if they're if they kind of stay together next year, watch out. Because yeah. I mean, they're a Super Bowl favorite because that kid's going to learn. He, he's one of the most positive guys I've seen. Yeah, look, Lamar Jackson made you know a couple critical errors in terms of the, especially the interception early, right, and had three turnovers total. But I think his biggest mistake is he wasn't able to tackle Derrick Henry. Apparently, I mean, let's not right. forget how this game went and how poor – and that's fine. He's a young kid. You got – you know, this Tennessee team feels like that 2005 mm-hmm. Steelers team, right? Now, Now what this Tennessee do is is much more impressive than even what those Steelers did. I mean, those Steelers go into Cincinnati and win. It's the Bengals. You know, the big one was in Indianapolis. It was 11-5 and five or 12-4 yeah, and four that you know year. you they were going to F it up. That's well, what the Bengals right. do. It's just a matter of when. The Colts. The Colts is the big one, right, at the height of Peyton Manning's powers and the idiot kicker pushing it left after Jerome Bettis tried to give it away. And then you well, go into Denver and beat Jake Plummer. That isn't what they right. what the Tennessee Titans. You go into Foxborough and unseat the probably the greatest – dynasty Dynasty, we've seen in forever and then you go into baltimore and take out what that juggernaut has been you know we'll see what happens going into arrowhead this week so you've got those factors he came out he made a couple mistakes which he hadn't made all year he had no help mark ingram was really banged up you saw that he wasn't himself they established no run game outside of lamar jackson whatsoever and you just ran into somebody who got on a roll If, if you know the analytics people hate I've, I've been learning this looking at Twitter. Hate talking about momentum. They don't want to hear about that. Momentum's a real deal. That's why the Tennessee Titans are playing in the AFC Championship. Well, in, in a, in a, um, in a real similar fashion, only exponentially more exaggerated, the exact same thing happened to Kansas City. Right. But what happened? Their defense regrouped rallied and basically shut Houston down right. the rest of the game. Yeah, they got a couple of, you know, another touchdown or I guess it was. Yeah, cuz 51-31. I mean, they were up 24 nothing or right. whatever it was. So I mean, yeah, they they gave up one more touchdown, but it was inconsequential. And the whole Kansas City offense, they started off basically the same. Bad drop by Kelsey, you know, that really could have been a killer. A Tyreek Hill bumbled that punt. They gave them um, right. another score. But they rallied, and Pat, Pat Mahomes got everything going. And, and, yeah, maybe Lamar's not quite as elevated, I don't know how to put it, experience-wise, even even though they're basically, what, still they're both two-year guys, right? Right, yeah. Two-year starter. Exactly. But, you know, Mahomes just seems a little more mature. And... He didn't get down. He didn't make any bad mistakes. But then again, the rest of the offense picked it up. Right. No, you know, it's... while the defense shut them down. Yeah. And nothing happened like that on Baltimore. I mean, the Lamar Jackson thing is so infuriating to, to I guess it's it's the social media world, the Twitter world we live in right now, where we have to talk in absolutes. Whatever happened today was the only and the greatest thing that ever happened. Well, yeah. You know, immediately, halfway through this game, you know, anybody who said, you know, boy, Lamar Jackson – 
struggling, you know, Lamar Jackson killed his team there, you know, you're racist, you're stupid, you know, still the tweet is not bad for a running back, you know, people are still angry about that. I don't know why Lamar Jackson is such a lightning rod for, he's not the first guy who came out of a spread run for quarterback run first offense in college who, you know, certain teams and experts and other folks said, you know, might be better in a different position. I don't think this is sustainable in the NFL. Because guess what? It still may not be. The year Lamar Jackson had this year, by the numbers, is kind of unheard of. But in a relative sense, this has happened before. Sure. And it's been, you know, few the guy who sustained it over a long period of time. You know, you look at, you know, Johnny Manziel, it never worked for him coming in. Remember the year, was it 2012, Colin Kaepernick came out and did very similar things, got to the Super Bowl, lost, and we all know how that ended after after that, and take all the political stuff out of it. He got beat out by Blaine Gabbert. You know, right. I'm not saying, I don't think Lamar Jackson's going to be that. I think what he possesses in the pocket is better than those other guys. And then, but with a guy like that, why that doesn't always last in the NFL is when you take away the threat of uh, also a hundred yard rusher at some point in his career, now that makes him just a really good passer, which there's a lot of really good passers in this league. So it's not, you know, this juggernaut. I keep using that word every year, but you're not allowed to say that. You know, it's, it's either you have to be an absolute. Either he stinks, see, he lost one game in the playoffs. He never should have been a quarterback. Joe Flacco should be starting there. Or <laughs> how dare you point out the fact that he threw two interceptions and the Baltimore Ravens lost? He's the greatest quarterback that ever played. So frankly, you're a racist. I mean, he. I, I don't understand it. it. I can't. I almost can't take it. I, it drives me insane. Can't we just say, man, that was a hell of a year. Good Lord, look what that kid did. Yeah. You can't say and they, it. And they had a bad game, and he yeah. came up short. You know, but, you know, take it, learn, and move on. You know who had a bad game and came up short is your boy Bill O'Brien. <laughs> Have you ever, ever that seen That wasn't a like bad that? game for Bill O'Brien. That is just stupidity. I never advocate for someone to be fired after one game. I think we're too quick to do that, kind of coming off what I just talked about. If I owned the Houston Texans, I might think about it right there. It, okay. You squ- we would have certainly had Mr. O'Brien in the office the next morning. Oh, okay. And, of course, our personalities probably wouldn't be the 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 – greatest things to start the meeting in because I would basically start, what the hell were you doing? (laughs) Would be the question. And look, I almost have to say, blowing a 24-0 lead in three quarters to Pat Mahomes in that offense is bad but isn't awful. To give up 51 after that, to go to go up 24 nothing in the rest of the way, 51 to 7. What the hell are you doing? What did you do at halftime? Good well, I think God, the, man. I think the worst thing is, Rick, is they were up 24 nothing in the second quarter and they were losing at halftime. <laughs> That's what really I mean, how how do you you know, call a timeout. Something, you know, stop. I mean, use them all if you Anything, have to. Something. I mean, Anything. that that is just ridiculous. I mean, and and if you can't focus your team and calm them down somehow, at least just to, 
Yeah, if if they'd have lost a game, so be it. But to lose a lead at halftime, like, and you knew going off the field, they were done. Well, no, I think you knew. I knew, and this isn't revisionist history. I I mean this. When it went 24-14, yep. even before that fumble, then you really knew. At 24-14, I I'm told my there son, saying, game over. over. Kansas I did. City. No, I didn't think they did. It ended up being a blowout the other way, <laughs> no. certainly. But no, at 24-14, Kansas City just won that game, and then they fumbled the ensuing kickoff, and then, then there was right. absolutely no doubt. Look, I have no problem up 21 nothing, fourth and inches kicking that field goal. You're up 21. You got a chance to get points. Why take chances? I got no problem with that. That fake punt, I'm sorry, that that's fireable to me. It really is. What what are you gaining? <laughs> that is insane. You've got all the momentum. Pin them back. Now, of course, we saw Pat Mahomes could go 90 like every other team can go three, so but just, I, I think that just started that ball rolling. Yeah. And it kept going, and it kept going. And it, I've never seen anything like it. I, I, I agree. And, you know, we, we just keep expanding on, like, the Lamar Jackson thing. And another um, on Twitter I saw where uh, defensive coordinator Wade, Wade Phillips is a possible defensive coordinator candidate for the Browns. Right. He was, you know. And already the tweets come out, no, he's terrible and all that. <laughs> he's been one of the best defensive coordinators for the last quarter century. Yeah. And this expert, uh, you know, obviously knows he's terrible. Well, he, he doesn't use the right graphs and stuff <laughs> that, that you're supposed to use. Unbelievable. Hey, rest of the way before we move on to the last game, rest of their careers, you, you were starting a – you, you bought a franchise, Rick, in the NFL. I would they love did, to. They did a ridiculous expansion draft similar to what the NHL does where you can assim- right. essentially pluck anybody off of anybody's team. Right. Who's your first overall pick to start your franchise, Patrick Mahomes or Lamar Jackson? I'm going to limit it to those two. Mahomes. I, I think it's not even close. No, I, 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 I really think, do. yeah, I do. I, I, it, it is him. And it, it is not a knock on Lamar Jackson. No. I mean, that's like saying – you know, whatever. Go back, you know, Joe Montana or Terry Branch. I'd take either one of them. Right. You yeah. know, but, you know, it's... it's. I just really think it's the sustainability of it for Lamar Jackson is what I wonder about. Well, let's, you know... Let's even take out that he is so much better than anyone who's ever done this. And nobody's ever done it the way he did. But, you know, anybody in that mold that defenses, pro defenses, will never figure it out, which is what you're supposed to believe now, right? So I won't even try to argue with that. Like I said earlier, at some point in his career, running that much, running that fast, being that shifty as he gets older isn't going to be an, an option, whereas Pat Mahomes can stand back there and with a flick of the wrist throw at 85 on drop it on a dime. You know, I, I think I think he's a guy. And, and he knows there's something about him. He knows exactly where everybody is right. on that football field, and he knows if he should run, if he should pitch it sideways, if he – goes across field if he goes downfield straight down the sideline somehow he knows that um better than almost anybody that i can think of you know who he reminds me of this is going to be a really strange comparison but bear with me for a minute is john stockton 
All right, John Stockton. Okay. I swear, his entire career is he still the you know, the career leader in assists in the NBA? If he's not, he was at the time. Right. I swear to God, he never threw a pass where he was looking. And you always wondered, how did he see that? Pat Mahomes is that way. Exactly. How many passes does he throw? You know, literally, they made a big deal out of it you know, last year and earlier this year where he's deliberately looking off. But it feels like as a defense, you can't get a read on this. Right. That ball's coming out. and You it can't come, read his eyes. You know, it comes out at any angle, and he's never looking where he throws. And I swear, you go back and you can't find where he looked the first time and anticipate it. Right. it it's something else. The kid's got an IQ for the game. And a fearlessness, you know, I think that's a big part of it, too. And I think Lamar Jackson has that as well. They they share that. But a fearlessness. But he's just got, to your point, a feel for the game. You can't read his eyes. You can't get to him. It's amazing. amazing. And that's hard to defend. Yeah. I mean, it's it's amazingly difficult to, to defend something like that. And... Yeah, I mean, if you're starting a franchise, that's my that's yeah. my guy, no doubt. And so, so the last game ended up being the most closely contested game, but I I, I find it kind of boring. <laughs> Seattle at Green Bay. I'm just hoping they're talking all that snow, and then it didn't snow during the game. That was kind of a bummer. Yeah, it was, and I mean, it was an interesting game, but you know, they're trying to say that the game was decided on that first down call. I thought the spot and was right. I, yeah, I mean, it, look, it's getting to the point. Everybody says this is a game of inches. It was a game of inches back in the 40s right. when, when guys were just looking at it. Yeah. And, you know, we and, just didn't act like it was a national tragedy if you know, half the country thought the ball was two inches too far in one direction or the well, other. Yeah, and, and, and the – the guys going down, I mean, you saw him going down. I mean, it was difficult to tell. Right. So, I mean, unless you have overwhelming evidence to overturn the call, yeah. which is the rule, correct? Yeah, but but it'll go uh, on forever. Do you have any belief that in a fourth and one-inch scenario, Green Bay wasn't going to pick that up anyhow? You want to avoid that situation, Seattle? How about this? With your star quarterback, your all-pro quarterback, your two great wide receivers, and Marshawn Lynch, why don't we score a touchdown in the first half? Let's try that. And yeah. then if that doesn't work, you had Green Bay on that drive at the end of the game. And what's I know it's not the Legion of Boom anymore, but it's still supposed to be a good defense. You had them in third and long twice. How about not giving up first downs right. where the – the spot wasn't an issue. How about you stop that? Well, you want to get down and worry about where, you know, Jimmy Graham's head hit versus where the ball and an inch here or an inch there, and you weren't going to stop him anyhow. Aaron Jones would have split the line. He'd have probably taken it to the house at that point. <laughs> I agree. He's, uh, I mean, that, that wouldn't whine all you want, I get on. I get on the refs, and deservedly so, but that call did not decide that game whatsoever. Nope. Not in any way. I agree. So, Rick, we're gearing up here. Championship week coming up. We've got uh, Green Bay headed out to San Francisco. How do you see that one going? I'll tell you what. I wish I knew. Um, I'm concerned about I, – I was actually concerned about um, Green Bay's rush run defense going into the Seattle game, and it wasn't that big of a deal. Right, uh, you know, obviously, um, I, I I'll have to go long. I I l- like San Francisco 
obviously I think Aaron Aaron Rodgers is is better than Garoppolo, but I think combine that defense with a multitude of running backs and what Garoppolo can do and has been doing just enough. I mean, you know, 131 yards, one touchdown, it's kind of like Tannehill type thing. You can't stop that San Francisco run. Right. They do that, then Green Bay certainly has a has the upper hand, the driver's seat. Yeah. But you have to stop all these runners, and I, I don't know if they can. So I'm going San Francisco. Yeah, this one's tough. Yeah, the 49ers got a lot working against them. You know, number one, I'm starting to believe the 2019 season is being orchestrated by State Farm, and we're on a collision course with Aaron Rodgers and Pat Mahomes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So you, you got that going. It, it, it's also the two teams in the very first Super Bowl. Right, in the 100th in season. In the 100th season, right. Those things tend to work. I'm actually swayed by that. I am in no way saying the league you know, would orchestrate that, but doesn't it just seem like in sports, in all sports, things like that tend to work yeah, out yeah. a little bit? So that's kind of my first thought. Plus, I think I'm an idiot. Well, you're right. One of the few things you are right about. There we go. We can finally agree on something here. Green Bay has won 14 games now this season, and I still feel unimpressed by them. It's been kind of the quietest 13 and three season plus a playoff win in my my lifetime that I can remember. I don't know why. I don't know what it is that they haven't moved the needle for me whatsoever. So I, I kind of discount them. I, I kind of take them lightly. What San Francisco is doing is <clears throat> impressive, right? This is you talked about the running game and how many different guys they can bring at you in the different skill sets. The difference maker George Kittle really is. You right. know, what Debo has d- done all of a sudden, he's become uncoverable. And oh, if you want to take everything away from Debo, you got a, a guy named Emmanuel Sanders. Not sure if you ever heard of him. He's going out there making plays. That defensive front, it's so impressive. And the way they get after the quarterback, I think San Francisco is the better football team. And I guess the way they finished, San Francisco technically was the better football team. San Francisco thrashed Green Bay a couple of months ago. Right. I'm going to be stupid here. And I'm going to say, based on the State Farm, the serendipity of the State Farm thing, Super Bowl one in the 100th anniversary, and I'm going to throw everything else out, which I know you shouldn't do, and this is Jimmy Garoppolo versus Aaron Rodgers. I don't think I even believe it in my heart, but I'm going with I'm going to take the Green Bay Packers. And, and I, I don't to blame you. I, win this game. Based it, on factors completely off the field, because by the analytics, by the information on the field, San Francisco should win this game easily like they did earlier in the season when they played this very game. I just got a vibe. Just got, But this isn't the same Green Bay Packers that nah. they thrashed whatever week it was. Um, starting to see the, the old – Aaron Rodgers, Devontae Adams connection again. Yeah, you know, right. Aaron Jones is, is a threat every time he has a football. I mean, he has like a million touchdowns, it seems like. Yeah, at least. Uh, <laughs> I average seven or eight a game, I think. Yeah. But, and, you know, and it's Aaron Rodgers. So, I mean, would I be surprised if Green Bay wins? No. I mean, I think this is, should be one of the better games. I think this is going to be the best game, obviously. Um, there's only two, but 
you know, and I'm going San Francisco trying to be logical about it. But yeah, and I tell you the, what, Green Bay, it wouldn't surprise me a bit. Two 13-3 teams, well, whatever they are, 14-3 and three now. So, I mean, who cares? Yeah, that's the logical pick. It's just, but It just feels like it's lining up. And, all right, then let's go over to the other side, Rick. You got the upstart Tennessee Titans heading into Arrowhead taking on Kansas City. I have to go Kansas City. Look, I, I think the, the glass slipper's about to crack. I mean, look, Derrick Henry had been nothing but but remarkable. But when Kansas City gets going, you can't just run the football. Right. I mean, the if, if they happen to fall down 14 nothing or something like that, now you can't just or, or say 17 nothing. It's say in the second quarter or something like that. You know, now you really are forcing their hand. And as great a year as Ryan Tannehill's had, you know, you get in a shootout with Pat Mahomes and that offense, you're going to lose. Now, that said, Tennessee did that. They got in a shootout at home against Kansas City True. a few weeks ago. True. And won. But that's not a that right. that was a surprise. Yeah. You're that's right. not going to surprise Kansas City. Yeah. Now, like look, Andy Reid, he's standing there with his jacket zipped up and his mm-hmm. walrus mustache hanging over his mouth. <laughs> I mean, there's there's a lot going on in that head. They're not going to surprise him anymore. No, and that's just it. I think you know that that's kind of the simple thing. To be, honestly, Derrick Henry could rush for 240 yards, and this team could lose by three scores. Yeah, you know that's first thing. And and, and what I look at, what I saw coming out of last week, both with Kansas City, you know, and I almost throw out anything you do against Houston because that franchise and Bill O'Brien's a donkey is is kind of what I've decided. But let's look at Tennessee and and what Mike Vrabel and his staff put together to take away Lamar Jackson, right? They kind of defended everything inside, forced it to the side. It was a really smart defensive game plan that was executed well. I sit down and try to think of what's the game plan for the Kansas City Chiefs. What what are you going to do? You, you know what I mean. Right. Again, we talked about Pat Mahomes. He can make a play with his back to the line of scrimmage. You just he's going to get his. And I think you know you look for that letdown. The young quarterback, you know, like Lamar Jackson, like Pat Mahomes last year, like the first quarter on on yesterday on Sunday, and then he found it. And here we go. And yep. now he's feeling it. Now he's the guy. I just, boy, I'd love to see Tennessee. What a just, I'd like, Tennessee, San Francisco would be cool, right? It would look like about Super Bowl nine, where there's going to be 200 <laughs> rushes, you know, in the Super Bowl. It'll be over by 930, and you can get to bed at a reasonable hour or get back out for another 12-pack after the game ends. You don't have to miss anything. I just don't see how they do it. I don't see a scenario where, the Kansas City Chiefs, Pat Mahomes, don't score 30 points. And I know, you know, Tannehill has the ability. We saw it in that game versus them. He had a nice run at the end of the year. But their identity right now in the playoffs so much is revolved around Derrick Henry. I don't know if you can flip that switch back back to that. I think the Chiefs win it. I, I hope it's a good game. I think this one has a little bit of blowout potential in it. But uh, that and I'll get the Super Bowl one rematch, I guess. Yeah, exactly, which would be interesting. Yeah. Which would really be interesting. You get a two weeks of Hank Stram, which is fun. You know, oh, matriculating the oh, ball down the field. Vince Lombardi, what the hell are we doing out there? <laughs> yeah, I, I don't mind watching <laughs> no. those, and we'll get a couple weeks of that. Yeah, I mean, that would be great with his little, you know, Vince Lombardi with his little Russian hat on with the <laughs> from the ice bowl there, and, you know, Hank Stram. I mean, yeah, that's just pure gold. I'll watch that. 
All right, you got anything else? Not a thing. Look, real quick, since we're picking games. Yes. Who you got tonight? National championship. LSU, LSU baby. Clemson. I've had LSU for since September. So, I mean, uh, I got to stick with them. This is probably the most I have anticipated watching a national championship game, at least since this format started. You know, maybe going back to Vince Young, Mark Sanchez. Maybe it's because they made us wait seven weeks between the, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> between the semifinals and this. This one is so intriguing. Joe Burrow is just on a rocket ship up. That offense completely unstoppable by anybody thus far far this LSU team has beat what seven teams I believe were that were in the top 10 right. at the time they played them I think they should win but I'm a Clemson lean here and here's why what happened in that semifinal game with Trevor Lawrence got a hat got down came back that's fine you know they're both good football teams Trevor Lawrence only a sophomore but he's been there he's played in this game he's won this game with Clemson, you've got an almost entirely NFL defense. You know, they, the problem with LSU this year, I don't even think it's a problem. It's still a good defense. It's not that dominant LSU defense we're used to seeing. You know, maybe it's because they're on the field so much because Joe Burrow scores in three plays every time he touches the freaking <laughs> ball. So, so I grant you, but you have that defense. But this game's going to be close, and you're going to get in the fourth quarter. And what Trevor Lawrence did on that last drive, he looked like a guy that been there before, done that, completely nonplussed by the whole scenario, just systematically plucked that ball down the field. I'm rooting for LSU. I hope LSU wins. I've always had a thing for LSU. I don't know why. I don't know if it's just the stadium's cool. (laughs) I don't know what it is. I've got no ties to Louisiana whatsoever. (laughs) But I just think Clemson been there, done that. I'm going to take Clemson in a last last play of the game kind of scenario. I hope I'm wrong, but I I think that's where I'm leaning. Trevor Lawrence, man. (laughs) Kid's got ice water. He's coming back to college again next year. He may leave college without losing a game. What is the um, line? I I forgot to ask you. You know what? I don't even remember what it is. It's been moving around a good bit. Let's take a quick gander here. I'm sure I have it right at the top of the screen. If the equipment didn't work so slowly, we have got, come on, load, baby, load, load, baby, load. We've got LSU laying five. Oh, I'll take that five with Clemson every day. Oh, boy, that makes it whew, that makes it extremely difficult. Five sounds like a lot. That's got to be a field goal game, doesn't it? Boy, it sure sounds it to me. Um, yeah, I'm definitely, if we're picking the line, it's Clemson. And I just five. pulled up um, 52% of betting is taking LSU minus the five. Wow. As opposed to 48% taking the five with Clemson. Um. Boy, I tell you what that that is that is tough. That's a um, brutal line there. Yeah, I, I may have to cover my bases like we do with picking. Yeah, I, I'm going it. LSU to win, Clemson to cover. There you <laughs> go. I like it. I hope it goes that way. I want it to be. I think it. it's going to be a great game. Yeah, I, I mean, can't it's, wait. it's obviously the two best teams in football. So I'll tell you what. If we're so excited, why don't we shut this crap down and go watch? Let's it? go. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks for joining us this week. We will be back next week. 
here on Full-Time Fantasy Network. Check everything over there at FullTimeFantasy.com, at FullTimeFantasy on Twitter. And check Twitter for some uh, upcoming news. Oh, yes, big news here at the Asylum, at Asylum Football on Twitter. And uh, to send us congratulations, AsylumFootball at gmail.com. Enjoy the game tonight. Enjoy the games this weekend. We'll be back from Radio Row at the Super Bowl next week. Until then, we'll see you. Take care.